0: This is David Rovix and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55am, Melbourne, Australia. Step
1: three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do and everything can change.
2: Welcome to the Beyond Zero Emissions show. My name's Erin Jones and I'm your host for today's show. I hope you enjoyed the last hour of radio with the Doing Time show. Um, Some powerful messages coming out of that. So today we're doing a little bit of a focus on um, some activity that's going on in Queensland. Uh, A couple of different things, a major uh, government, a new clean energy generator. So we're going to talk to the CEO of Clean Co Queensland and then another project which is a training project um, looking at water batteries, effectively pumped hydro And then finally, we're going to close out the show talking to another very dedicated Beyond Zero Emissions engineer about some upcoming energy freedom workshops, which is going to help people uh, understand how they can um, create a more comfortable home and uh, use uh, energy efficiency, the energy in their home better for a more comfortable outcome. And that's applicable to not only homeowners but also renters there's some great strategies low-cost strategies there that renters can do so we'll we'll, uh, close out the show with that and have more details and those workshops are coming up starting this Friday in Melbourne so I'll give you all the details to that but um, let's start our show up in Queensland Listeners, you're on the Beyond Zero Emissions show and my name is Erin Jones and um, from time to time I've done a number of features on Queensland because there is actually a really lot happening in Queensland, either from a community level, a local government level or in today's case a state government level. So I'm really pleased to have on the line the CEO of CleanCo Queensland, Maya Schweitzer. Welcome Maya.
3: Thank you very much,
2: Erin. Glad to be here. Look, so first of all, can you just describe for our listeners, what is CleanCo?
3: Sure. CleanCo is the newest clean energy company in Queensland. As you mentioned, it's owned by the Queensland government. Um, And we're starting off with a portfolio of about 1,100 megawatts of generation capacity made up of hydros, four hydro plants, and a very efficient uh, combined cycle gas turbine gas plant, so really some clean energy assets. And we started trading in the national electricity market only just a few weeks ago on the 31st of October. Um, And we've got a mandate to grow from that base by about another 1,000 megawatts in the next five years. And I'm happy to say there's nothing like us in the world, actually, because this is a a first to have um, this portfolio and this mandate. So I think we really have a unique opportunity to work with other players to support the efficient and smooth uh, transition towards cleaner energy here in Queensland.
2: Yeah, and I want to delve into that a bit more as we go through our discussion. But I just want to take a little bit of a step back. And how did CleanCo come about? What were the policy drivers and the impetus to actually get to this point where the decision was made that this um, government-owned corporation was the best vehicle to um, move towards the goals that Queensland's laid out?
3: Well, um, there was the Powering Queensland Plan, which was published in 2017 and was really a an integrated attempt to plan out how Queensland is going to deliver stable energy prices, ensure long-term security of supply, transition to a cleaner energy sector, and create new investment and jobs. Uh, So really recognizing, you know, like other states around Australia and indeed other places around the world, there's a big transition coming and and the better we can plan it, uh, the better we'll navigate it. So that plan really laid out Queensland's commitment to renewable energy, and a desire to translate, in particular, you know, the abundant resources we have up here, our, our famous sun and winds, um, into affordable energy for customers. And so that's that's really reflected in Clean Code's mandate. Uh, we're here specifically to provide reliable, competitive clean energy for Queenslanders, and um, that's both by affording, by improving affordability and reliability, and importantly, supporting Queensland to hit our renewable commitments, and while doing all of that, supporting jobs and investment in this sector in Queensland.
2: Okay, and obviously we're broadcasting out of Melbourne, but a lot of our listeners pick up the show via podcast. So for those that might not be familiar, can you just outline the targets that are in place from a Queensland perspective?
3: Sure. Like other states in Australia, Queensland has committed to 50% renewable energy by 2030 and also to 100% net zero by 2050. And of course, the trick for us as well as elsewhere is trying to keep it affordable for customers. Uh, reliable and, and creating those opportunities for new industries on the back of that while navigating such a, such a significant transition.
2: Yeah, yeah, okay, excellent. And I suppose um, maybe we can go now to talk about the fact that, you know, this is, we'll, we'll just outline for, for uh, as I say, we, we broadcast out of Melbourne, so people might not necessarily be familiar, but we've got uh, CleanCo, who's the newly established body, um, but what are the other players in the Queensland market, the other generators?
3: Sure. Well, in Queensland, about two thirds of generation capacity is owned by the government, so that's now between three companies instead of two. As you highlighted, we've got um, Stanwell and CS Energy, as well as CleanCo, which has really taken on the cleaner energy assets uh, from those two companies. Um, and then we have, you know, as as elsewhere, we have significant private investment in the sector as well, both in terms of uh, gas generation, for example, and coal generation, but also in terms of um, the, new re- the new renewables that are entering the market, in particular solar, uh, but increasingly wind as well.
2: Okay. And how does um, your role differ from, say, Ergon and Energex, which are names that people who are familiar with Queensland would, would be fairly familiar with?
3: Would hear, absolutely. So uh, Energex and Ergon are now part of Energy Queensland, and they run the distribution network here in Queensland. Um, so they're probably an important collaborator for Clean because we want to make sure that our projects, anything that we invest in in terms of bringing new solar or wind to the market um, or any other infrastructure projects for that matter, um, you know, are really actually helpful to the grid um, rather, than, rather than harmful. So I see Energex and Ergon really as an adjacent player and a potential collaborator. Um, and that's probably true for players like PowerLink as well, which runs the um, the high voltage transmission lines here in Queensland. Um, because we share common uh, shareholding ministers, we're, we're owned by the Queensland government, we really have an opportunity to collaborate um, rather than compete.
2: Yep. okay, great. And so what are the strategies then that Clean Co. is looking to employ you know, to reach its objectives? We know that there's been a reverse auction process, but are you also looking to build your own additional infrastructure?
3: That's correct, yeah. So we've been given a, um, a startup grant of $250 million, to go and build our own clean Co. assets. Um, and so that's really exciting. That's um, assets that will remain in the ownership of the Queensland government on behalf of the people of Queensland. Um, and in parallel, we are also, as you mentioned, we've taken over sponsorship of the R400 auction, which is the reverse auction to bring up to 400 megawatts of renewables into the market here in Queensland. And beyond that, we're looking at opportunities really to leverage that 1,000 um, megawatts of dispatchable generation capacity to support... Um, you know, to, to support renewables across the state. So it's kind of it's a, across a few prongs, but absolutely building and owning our own assets um, is a, is a big part of that. With that capital that we've been given.
2: Okay. And so, what is that going to be assessed going forward? Will that be added to as as you know that's used on more assets? What's kind of the ceiling of that, or what what are what are you looking at needing in the in the marketplace to achieve um, the targets that have been laid out?
3: Well, I think. The, um, you know, the Queensland is at a turning point where if CleanCo had been created, you know, a decade ago, we would be a vehicle for giving out subsidies because that's what the cost of wind and solar was. And to make it work, you really needed government subsidies. Um, but actually, you know, given where we are now, we're at a very exciting point where um, wind and solar projects don't need those subsidies to be economic. And so, you know, what we're looking for in those projects is really one that they're commercial because we're expected to be um, we're expected to be a viable enterprise, um, but also that they really, um, you know, they really leverage the assets that we've got. So, you know, wind and solar profiles that we can firm up with the generation assets that we were given in our foundation portfolio, and then really, you know, where we can support jobs and investments beyond just our own direct portfolio. Those are kind of the criteria we'll be using to to you know, sift among the many, many projects that are out there um, and identify which ones Clean Co. wants to get
2: involved in. Okay. So the, that reverse auction for the 400 megawatts, there's been a shortlist now of um, projects for that. Can you tell us a bit more detail about what they are, where they're located, and, and what stage that process is up to?
3: Sure, yep. So we took over the Renewables 400 auction in July, And since then, we've sought um, bids from the shortlisted projects, which have been, I think, published um, uh, and are, are, you know, across solar and wind and are across the entire state of Queensland, really from down in the south here all the way to the far north. Um, And so we are in the process of evaluating those bids and hopefully we'll be able to announce the results of that process in early 2020.
2: Right. OK. So really, that's only a few months away. Correct. Yeah. Great. OK. And... um, You know, this is what we hear time and time again from different um, government representatives or or people that are in the the energy sector and and transitioning to renewables is the fact is these projects not only make sense economically, they're they're regional job um, development generators. There's really no downside now that we're at this point in costings and certainly battery technology and things like that is only going to get cheaper energy storage costs. So. Yes. Yeah. Here's hoping. Yep. Look, I just want to kind of paint a bit of a picture for people because not that many people in the community necessarily understand how pricing is determined in the wholesale electricity market. Can you explain how that pricing is determined, and then how CleanCo, as a wholesaler and energy generator, going to be able to influence that when we're talking about um, you know holding prices down?
3: Yes, no problem. That is a great question, and it is complicated, yeah. so I will do my absolute best to make it as simple, um, as, simple as possible. Um, so, in in general, electricity generators bid their capacity into the market on a cost basis. And so that means you know the lowest demand times, like the middle of the night, for example, are met by the lowest cost generation. And then when demand increases, the higher cost generation is brought online to meet it. That might be a peaking gas plant, for example, or a pumped hydro. So when demand is high, prices are high, and when supply is high... So we kind of high, can imagine price- a
2: stack, can't we? A stack, and exactly. the cheaper ones are at the bottom, and then they progressively get higher, and, and where that demand is met, the price is kind of established at that point. Would that be a exactly reasonable right. description? Yeah,
3: Exactly right, and that happens every 30 minutes, that's right. So there's a signal that, that demand is going up, and therefore generators like us get ready to bring our assets online when when the demand is at the highest. Um, But similarly, when when supply is high, prices come down. So, for example, you know, there's been a lot of talk about the duck curve right now across Australia in the middle of the day because there's so much supply from rooftop and large-scale solar, prices actually plummet and sometimes even go negative. So there's a flip side to that as well. Um, But specifically, what CleanCo can do is we have assets that can be dispatched even when the sun isn't shining or the wind isn't blowing. And so we can contribute clean supply at times when demand is high which should put downward pressure on wholesale prices. So you can imagine us, um, if you go back to that stack, um, bidding in our our capacity at the right point in that stack to contribute to downward pressure at that peak of the peak time. So hopefully that helps decrease the volatility in the market. And we're certainly operating those assets, in particular a pumped hydro that we have west of Brisbane called Wibenhoe, with a different mandate than the previous owners. So we're really targeting that affordability and reliability. Um, so that's one way of looking at it is kind of on the 30-minute basis bidding into the market and, and really trying to insert our supply when prices are, are rising, especially in that late afternoon period. Um, and then over the longer term, because clean Co can count on those assets, we can bundle up renewable energy sources like wind and solar for customers that need a reliable supply like manufacturing plants or commercial properties. And we can know that we can provide the reliable clean energy because we can turn on our plants when the wind isn't blowing, for example, or when uh, cloud cover is is expected over the sun. Um, So we can commit to that not just now but for years into the future, which is really part of the longer-term affordability of of renewable energy is that that firmed renewable energy over time. Um, But maybe just to add a little bit of complication at the end, I think, you know, for your home, your energy bill is calculated based on Um, what your energy company expects the cost of electricity to be across the years, so you're not actually subject on a half-hourly basis, of course, to that volatility in the market. And so while we can say that bringing renewables into the market in a low-cost way absolutely supports long-term affordability, it can be tricky to pinpoint exactly what would have happened versus what did happen in, in pricing on any given day in the market.
2: Yeah, okay, great. Listeners, you're on the Beyond Zero Emissions show. My name is Erin Jones, and I'm very pleased to have on the line today the CEO of the newly esta- relatively newly established Queensland uh, government-owned corporation, CleanCo, which has a mandate to um, transition, work through the transition to renewable energy, uh, price stabilisation and, and reliability. And we're speaking to the CEO, Maya Schwitzer. So, look... Um, Will CleanCo be supporting renewable infrastructure along similar lines to, say, the way ARENA helps with things, say, pre commercialization and then the Clean Energy Finance Corporation in that early commercialization stage? Is that a role that CleanCo will will be involved in? We're
3: definitely interested in partnerships with both of those organisations. So I would say we almost have a sister mandate to both of those, um, really supporting the transition of the grid in a smart and efficient way um, is is you know key to the reliability aspect of our mandate. So if I look at Arena, um, as you mentioned, focused on making new technologies to support renewable energy competitive, um, we are technology agnostic. Um, we want you know we want technologies that we know are going to make a difference um, along those aspects of our mandate. So the affordability and the reliability. So it's unlikely that we're going to be incubating incubating new technologies ourselves, but we could absolutely be an early adopter. So we should be very interested in where ARENA is investing and considering whether those solutions could be part of our mix as well. And then on CESC, the Clean Energy Finance Corporation, you know, they've really got a mandate to support the renewables transition as well, um, and specifically through investments, whereas on our side we have the mandate to support through owning and operating assets. Um, so I think we could be pretty complementary in our mandates.
2: And so have you had um, much discussion with either of those organizations?
3: We are absolutely in discussions. yep, yep, and and see the overlap and the potential to to really you know achieve something bigger together than either of us could on our own.
2: yeah, great. and And you mentioned it early in our conversation, but this model, um, you know the fact that Queensland's uh, government still owns and the people of Queensland effectively, these generation assets, has that put you? How unique is that within an Australian context or broader?
3: Well, it's interesting. I've, I've, um, I'm I'm reasonably new to the industry myself, so I've been asking around um, and even asking, you know, people overseas, including in the U- in the U.S. and Europe. And it really sounds like we are unique, both in terms of, you know, the the creation of this uh, portfolio of dispatchable assets with the specific intent of letting them firm. These renewable assets, solar and wind, which are subject to weather patterns, etc. Really, that intent is unique. And then, as you mentioned, you know, the the ownership structure here in Queensland really allows for that. So the fact that we can, um, you know, collaborate with Powerlink, for example, who run the the transmission, um, to make sure that the projects that we're investing in actually help with that overall transition, I think is really a pretty unique, exciting opportunity. So that's, um, you know, that's that's really an exciting place to be, and hopefully things that we learn here, you know, can be applied
2: then elsewhere as well. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those benefits, I suppose, when, when you still are the owner of the generation assets, you can directly um, mandate how they're used, whereas I suppose in other jurisdictions where those assets have um, primarily been sold off, then it's only through influence or policy um, that that can be changed. So, you know, it's, um, it's interesting that, that Queensland is in this position to do that.
3: So It is, yeah. Yeah, very exciting.
2: Yeah. Clean Coast has a government mandate of 1,000 megawatts of new generation by 2025. Can you put that in scale for our listeners as to what that represents in the Queensland market?
3: Yes. Well, it does sound big, but we are actually still the little guy on the block. So, mm. <laughs> so Queensland has today peak demand on the very, very hottest days, which are coming up, of course, in the next couple of months. Um, peak demand of about 10 gigawatts. So we are today about, you know, able to supply about 10% of that demand. Um, And so doubling that, of course, um, including some some growth in demand, um, you know, brings us up to maybe um, a higher percentage of that total demand. But it's still, uh, you know, we're still still a smaller part of the market. That's just until 2025. um, And that's kind of beginning us you know, beginning us on the ramp up towards uh, 2030 and a 50% target for renewable energy.
2: Yeah, OK. Um, yeah, because I think in some of the research that I was looking at um, going into our discussion, uh, I think it was Queensland and that... There's some great resources online, and for people that want to delve deeper into the um, some of the discussion, we're having the Powering Queensland Plan, which is uh, the... Um, primary piece of work that uh, the recommendation for CleanCo to be established um, was that piece of work, and if people want to Google that, I'm sure they'll find that that pretty easily. Uh, But we're looking at the Queensland energy fleet currently, and I think this was 2017, so it might be a little bit dated, 8,200 megawatts of coal-fired generation, 2,700 megawatts of gas-fired generation. 1,706 megawatts of rooftop PV, which I'm sure that number's gone up because, as we as we know and we've spoken about it on plenty of occasions on the show, Queensland has um, some of the highest solar penetration in the world, certainly for residential. Then we're looking yep. at 700 megawatts for large-scale renewable and 500 megawatts for pumped storage hydroelectric. So just to give people a bit of a, an idea of scale of that. Um, a 1,000 megawatts, but um, it's good that it's happening, but we kind of need to keep, keep moving that way. That's right. My regular listeners to our show and the work that BZE does um, would be looking at the, the asset mix that you've got there, and uh, there is some gas that, that you're using currently to uh, certainly kick into place quickly when you're looking to bring down that peaking demand. Um, that's obviously gas is still a, a fossil fuel, Um, what do you see going forward as um, transitioning away from that? Or what's the sort of time frame that you think we will be able to, you know, move either to a battery or pumped hydro or whatever it may be that those gas plants... um, And certainly Queensland, um, one of the issues down here in Victoria is that a lot of the coal infrastructure was quite aged and has actually reached the end of its its, um, useful scheduled life. Whereas I understand that a lot of the generation in Queensland is relatively young, bar a couple of assets. So you don't have the same kind of dynamic that they had in in Victoria, where, for example, places like Hazelwood, not only were they very highly polluting, but they were also at the end of their life, whereas Queensland's not quite in that situation. So how do you see that?
3: That's right. Well, you're right that we have uh, the youngest and cleanest coal fleet um, in Australia here in Queensland, Um, I think, you know, the the on the on the question of gas, the there's nothing that really replaces a gas plant yet. (laughs) And and that's that's really less about the kind of short term storage, which, as you mentioned, pumped hydro, for example, um, can service. So we we have taken on as part of that foundation portfolio. Uh, Wivenhoe, which is the biggest pump storage plant in Queensland, and that's at 570 megawatts. So that's really quite a big battery west of, Queensland, uh, west of Brisbane. But the, the issue there is the durability of it. So it's, it can run for, say, eight hours. Um, but if you have uh, a sequence of, of uh, you know cloudy days, that's not gonna be enough. And so there's nothing that um, that carries you know the durability of a gas plant um, for firming renewables at the moment. Um, and so, you know, it would take some pretty significant changes in, um, and improvements in battery technology for uh, for that gas plant to become irrelevant anytime soon, um, which, you know, is absolutely something that we have to tackle as we think about a 2050 uh, net zero emissions target. So I'm not saying it's, it's not something we're thinking about, but it is something that feels, uh, you know, feels at least several years away and potentially longer than that. Um, and then I think, you know, when it comes to um the coal, the coal plants here in Queensland, I think, you know, Queensland is also a net exporter of energy to New South Wales, for example. And so, you know, it's hard to see how we don't both play a role in kind of the energy transition, especially when I think about those affordability and reliability metrics. Um, you know, it's, it's important that we both continue to play our role um, for the next, you know, decades um, as we go through this big transition.
2: Yeah, yeah. Look, there's, there's a lot going on in Queensland in this space, and certainly um, the North Queensland has been identified as having some great opportunities, and there's a number of projects through uh, central and northern Queensland. Um, I don't know how much that's exactly in your remit, but can you describe some of those things that are that are on the table for up in that area? Sure. Well, so three of
3: our um, foundation assets are in far north Queensland, Queensland. so we've got three um run of river hydro plants, which is uh, a very, very beautiful part of the world to go and visit a visit a power plant in. Um, and so, you know, I think I think there are exciting developments up there, there's certainly plenty of sunshine. Um, you know, there's more rain than there is further south in, in Queensland. Um, so it's definitely an area to watch um, with the caveat that it's, you know, it's far, it's far from the load on the grid at the moment. And so getting electrons from far north Queensland down to Brisbane is difficult. Um, but it is a very prospective area, so it's definitely worth uh, worth watching, and we are watching.
2: Yeah, and certainly, um, you know, Sun Metals is is a is a good example of a company that's based um, Townsville. I think I'm looking at my notes, uh, who is a, a involved in zinc production, and they've put on they've built a. Um, you know, obviously they've seen in their their business that they need to um, shore up their uh, costs and so they've actually built quite a large solar facility themselves. Do you see that as a model that other businesses, are you sort of hearing that some businesses are looking at doing that um, directly?
3: I think in some cases that will work. We're certainly seeing, you know, where where the profile of um, usage or the profile of load well matches um, renewables. Um, what we are seeing a lot of is is customers who want that reliable supply, so not necessarily just when the sun is shining or the wind is blowing, um, but who want, you know, a cleaner source of energy, either uh, they're that way inclined or their customers are pushing them that direction or whatever. We are definitely seeing um, commercial and industrial customers that are exploring solutions like that, but more often, you know, exploring solutions where they really want a firmed, uh, reliable energy product that that does incorporate clean energy, but that doesn't expose them to the um, to the weather risk.
2: Yeah, and certainly, um, you know, some of the work that we've done down here in Victoria uh, with um, the Southeast Melbourne Manufacturers Alliance. One of the things that a lot of manufacturers uh, and industrial users have been hit with is not only the increase in gas prices, but it's the volatility and the business planning. Um, Hurdles that that presents by just that volatility of pricing.
3: That's right. Yeah, that's that's a huge um, that's a huge factor up here as well. Um, in particular, in those summer those summer months where we get um, you know prices going up to the regulated ceiling, that can really hurt uh, businesses that are not hedged for it. So I think that's really that's really where we're playing is is to offer those. Um, you know, reliable, affordable, clean energy products so that companies are not, you know, manufacturers, for example, are not necessarily exposed to that kind of volatility.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, look, I've really appreciated you coming on the line today and telling us about CleanCo and how it's come to be. Um, Congratulations. I think it's a great thing that the Queensland government has been able to, you know, put this mandate in place and and has the um, generation assets to really um you know put their money where their mouth is and and work towards these targets so we look forward to uh probably catching up in the future at some stage and, and seeing how everything's going.
3: Likewise thank you very much Erin.
2: Okay thanks Maya nice to chat with you. Likewise.
3: Bye-bye. Bye feeling short-changed by all the doom and gloom of climate change and want to help Beyond Zero Emissions is an internationally recognised climate solutions think tank that is focused on solutions, not problems. At BZE, we have a blueprint to help
2: Australia become a thriving zero emissions economy, but we are dependent on public donations, so we need your help. To donate or find out more information, head to bze.org.au. That's bze.org.au.
4: I felt you coming, girl, as you drew near I knew you'd find me, cause I longed you here Are you my destiny? Is this how you'll appear? Wrapped in a coat with a tear in your eyes We'll take that coat And throw it on the floor Are you the Out of sorrow entire worlds have been built Out of longing great wonders Down my veins, my heartstrings call. Are you alone?
2: And that was Jimmy Little with Are You The One That I've Been Waiting For. Listeners, you're on the Beyond Zero Emissions show, and my name is Erin Jones, and we're continuing our theme of looking at developments that are happening in Queensland today. And I'm pleased to have on the line Harry Hartman, and Harry is Executive Director of a company based in Brisbane called Constructionarium Australia. So welcome, Harry.
0: Thank you very much,
2: Erin. Can you tell us a little bit about what the company does?
0: We, we train graduates and students. Um, many graduates and students have a very theoretical upbringing through the universities. And fundamentally, we give them skills with tools. Um, and that has further developed to an efficient project management training. So okay. we take 20 of those together for eight days and then we train them, and it's a very positive uh, environment.
2: Great. And so what we wanted to predominantly talk about today is the uh, water battery that that you're doing. So can you tell us about that?
0: Yes. So at the moment, we have a replica of the Story Bridge, a famous bridge here in Brisbane, very classic. We have a replica which is 24 metres long, and we want to put lights on that bridge just to colour it up Uh, a bit more. Um, So we can dig a trench and connect it with the main power. Uh, That's a bit uh, old fashioned and uh, not sustainable. So we want to put solar power on it. But if you connect it with solar, then you have light during the day. And obviously we want the light burning there, not during the day. So you need to store the energy by means of a battery. Chemical batteries are also not really good. Material also comes out of a mine. They have a limited lifetime, and and so on. So uh, we want a water battery. So that's what we have developed.
2: Okay, great. And so this is something that that you're building in Brisbane. And will it actually be used on the Story Bridge, or you're just using that as a model?
0: We will use it on our Story Bridge. Right. So on this replica of the Story Bridge, we will use the light. Every day the lights will burn uh, or, um, with power from the water battery.
2: Okay, great. And really the, the water battery is, is showing people that how um, pumped hydro and stored hydro energy can, can operate. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Okay, excellent. And so, so you mentioned you know, the students and, and having a high level of theoretical knowledge and this is giving them a, a, some practical um, application. What type of students are you predominantly dealing with?
0: Well, um, in principle we, we focus on the infrastructure industry and infrastructure is one of those words that not, uh, not many people really understand um, how big infrastructure is, but um, almost everything what you build is infrastructure. So many people would qualify to be part of this, but it is more um, from the larger investors, larger developers, larger contractors, and larger engineering companies, they all support us, um, but also the supply chains of smaller companies sent uh, their students.
2: Mm-hmm. And from this, are you hoping to encourage more to look at um, pumped hydro as a as a, a energy battery solution? Or what's the kind of outcome beyond um, just the direct? Yeah, training? It actually
0: triggered. I worked on a pumped hydro um, development for the last three years. So um, I have a reasonable understanding of how that works. Um, When I explain to people the principles, uh, I'm surprised that people actually don't really get the fundamentals. And when I was a few months ago at a primary school for Engineers Without Borders to explain to children uh, that when they go home, they want to play on their PlayStation, whatever, that the power is actually not there unless you capture it, they all want solar power, but you have to capture it. And the same story about the chemical battery and the water battery. So I had a small slideshow for them prepared to explain a water battery and how you can store energy. And I was amazed that these 10 and 12 year old children actually could understand that principle. And I had actually quite a good dialogue with them. There were 120 children. And it was actually a very positive dialogue. So therefore, I think this whole development uh, happened and we're going to build one in reality although it is small all the fundamentals will be very clear and the fun thing is that our turbine will be in a transparent casing so people can also see when the water flows down how it drives the turbine and they can see that the the solar energy we pump it up and then it it slows down again and it will generate power.
2: Okay, and so is this something that you're envisaging, you know, schools um, can come and visit uh, to to use as a, a teaching aid? Well, so yeah, there's, there's a few
0: options. Fundamentally, we are training engineers and they will go through this whole, so every three months we will, um, what's the right word, we will break the battery down again and then uh, we will rebuild it every couple of months because the whole exercise is to build it um, so they really get the fundamentals. But primary and secondary schools can visit it there and we will make a nice display and they can see a operating uh, water battery. If you would go to a pump hydro, uh, even like a Hoover Dam where you can see um, a hydro plant, it's spectacular but I think if you have a micro one like this one, people really get the fundamentals um,
2: very quick. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you're um, in Salisbury, which is on the south side of Brisbane for people that, that may not know, and so is that where people can come and is that where the, the hydro um, model is being built?
0: Well, our host is CTC, the Construction Training Centre in Salisbury. And they have many sustainable initiatives there. And this water battery fits in their philosophy. Um, and it is there is a gate um, that you can, uh, with the proper uh, communication, uh, it is accessible and people can have a look. At, that's um, the sort of communicate with CTC.
2: Okay, great. Well, look, as you say, it's important that people... Um Understand uh, this, and certainly energy storage is an important part of the uh, puzzle in the transition to renewable energies. We need to um, have energy storage facilities. So, the more people understand yeah, it's it, a,
0: it's such a beautiful solution to capture all this energy from the sun and make it available when the people really need it. Mm. And once you build a pumped hydro, it would just last for hundred years with minimal maintenance compared to any other solution. It's such a nice, sustainable
2: solution. Yeah, great. All right, well, look, it's, it's been great to have you on, Harry, and learn about this initiative. And if people want to, um, you know, become part of it or look at doing some training or whether it's something that, um, you know, they'd like to have a look at, what's the best way that people can find out more information?
0: Well, we have a website, which is obviously Constructionarium australia. Dot com dot au. So in simple terms it's construction and then area, construction area. Um, there's all the information, my email address is there. And people who want to register, they can do a couple of clicks and they have registered. Um, it's pretty popular, to be honest. Um, but it's a very professional approach. It is designed by GHD. Um, I have a first class, I'm communicating with a first class uh, contractor and sponsor so it's it's going to be a very professional
2: subject okay great all right well look and i'll put that a uh, website in the show notes as well so that people can um go and have a look at it if it's something that they're particularly interested in so look i appreciate your time and telling us about it and um good luck with um with rolling that out are, are you already uh, using the, the model and building it with with current students or what what process stage of the process are you up to Well, so the Story
0: Bridge, this coming Wednesday, we're starting another eight days to build the Story Bridge. We have it just uh, completely uh, repainted. And um, we are finalising the design for our water battery. And early next year, we will start building it.
2: Okay. Excellent. Very good. Okay. Thanks for coming on. And um, we'll look forward to to seeing how that progresses. Thank you.
0: Thank you for sharing our message. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye-bye.
5: Energy efficiency,
0: demand response, design for climate and design for comfort, payback for the customer,
5: insulation on your roof,
0: the peak loads, energy out of an ocean wave,
5: 20, 30 megawatt, embodied energy of construction, thermal output, great way to get waste out of the system, I mean brain batteries, do the underlying science justice,
4: clever systems for how vehicles are charged,
5: solar
0: window in a can, multi-junction solar cell,
4: beyond zero, global warming science, solutions and action
5: taking it to a do-it-yourself level.
2: And that was Claire Bowditch with The Start of War. So we're going to our last interview for today's show. And that is um, from John Shields. And John is one of the many valuable volunteers that uh, participate and contribute to the work that BZD does in the community. And John has an extensive experience as a civil engineer and has a PhD in retrofitting homes for climate change. So welcome, John. Yeah, welcome to you, Look, um, we want to talk about these workshops that BZE is putting on initially, um, and these are all about energy freedom workshops uh, to help homeowners and renters to make their homes more comfortable. Can you, so can you describe to our listeners what people will get out of coming along to the events?
5: Yeah, sure. So I guess the main focus is to reduce your energy costs uh, while getting better comfort. And it addresses uh, nine steps um, is our lighting, draft proofing, insulation, windows, appliances and cooking, heating and cooling, hot water, monitoring and control, and putting on solar panels to generate electricity.
2: Yeah, fantastic. And so this is this is sort of a follow on from the work that, that BZE um, put out a few years ago around the Energy Freedom um, book and, and those nine principles that you're talking through there.
5: Yeah, look, the nine, the uh, Energy Freedom Home book actually arose from um, the buildings plan for Zero Carbon Australia. Um, and uh, that was, that included both commercial and residential properties. Uh, but now the uh, Energy Freedom Home just concentrated on residential.
2: Yeah, great. So you're running a number of workshops in the Melbourne area and um, they are starting on Friday the 29th. And that one is at Ross House in the city. Uh, We go to Monday the 2nd of December at the Broadmeadows Community Hub. Tuesday the 3rd of December at the Camberwell Community Centre. And Friday the 5th of December at the um, CE. RES Community Environment Park and that's in Brunswick East but all those details yep. are available on the BZD website and you can register for those events either through the BZD website or on the Eventbrite website if you need, need those additional details. So how are these usually received John and what's the sort of mix of um, the audience that you get homeowners and renters? Yeah look um
5: we get a mix of homeowners, renters and also uh, investors, uh, landlords,
1: mm-hmm.
5: um, and uh, really uh, we find the uh, tenants uh, actually usually great, gain great benefit out of these because not just do we go through the whole nine steps, we focus on the ones that give you the biggest bang for your buck and the cheapest. And yeah. uh, just to elaborate a couple of those, um, it things like just changing behaviour So you could uh, have a power board in each room and switch off the power as you leave and that saves you 10% off your bill straight away. And then there's things like, uh, you know, cutting down the volume of uh, air that you've got to heat and cool. So you might put a curtain across a window, across a doorway, or something down the hall.
2: Um,
5: Then there's things like uh, sealing up all the gaps for draft proofing. So there's lots and lots of holes in the house through pipes and... uh, and all sorts of places, and you can find uh, salient uh, to put those, and then even doors and windows, you can get phones. And then finally, things like um, uh, show, uh, just shade cloths and curtains for your windows. The windows are holes in the wall, mm. and if you put on uh, heavy-duty curtains, and you can even get those secondhand for almost nothing, um, and you can a pill and they show you cheap ways to uh, stop the uh, air circulating behind them. Yeah. Uh, shade the window, and then finally, uh, insulation in the ceiling, which is a key Good but often for tenants uh, who might be to be out of their control.
2: Yeah, but I mean, most of those um, elements that you mentioned are things that renters can achieve, isn't it?
5: Exactly, and that's, that's where they are. Basically, for very little money, uh, we often say for less than a thousand dollars, you can probably save several hundred dollars a year off your bill. Mm. And uh, if you're staying in a place for more than a couple of years, it could be well worth. Yeah, but even going to a landlord Britain, discussing what you can do to share the expenses.
2: Yeah, but I mean, some of those those strategies that you mentioned about, you know, curtains and shading, um, you know, they're things also that you could necessarily take with you.
5: Exactly, and that's uh, some of the points we make. It's, uh, even carpet, for example, uh, sometimes on a timber floor, you can put a carpet down to stop that, you know, drafts coming up, and uh, you can take that carpet with you.
2: Okay, well that that's really excellent. Now you're also involved in another event, John, on December the fourth, livable homes in a changing climate. Can you tell us about that event?
5: Yeah, sure. That, that's run by uh, the Yarra Rangers Council, and it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be the solar council. Um, Glenn Morris is going to be speaking at that as well, talking about PVs and that's batteries as well. Mm-hmm. And um, well, I'll be covering off the uh, those sort of nine steps. Um, and then we'll go into a Q&A and, uh, and Rod Quantock is doing the MC, on that so it should be, a bit, be a, a bit of a fun event as well as very uh, educational.
2: Great. And so how can people get more information about that event? Well, you can actually
5: Google it or there is a uh, there is actually a Facebook uh, page but uh, if you uh, the tickets are available at yrc.vic.gov.au. Uh,
2: can you just uh, give, give me that one again, and I'll put it in the show notes.
5: Okay, so the abbreviation for Yarra Rangers Council. Okay. So YR C. dot dot gov. 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 Right.
2: OK, excellent. Well, that sounds like it'll be another good event. So I'll just um, repeat for listeners, those energy freedom workshops that John is facilitating on behalf of BZD are in different locations around Melbourne starting this Friday, the 29th, and that is at Ross House in the City. Uh, then we go on to next Monday, Broadmeadows Community Hub in Broadmeadows. Tuesday, the 3rd of December, Camberwell Community Centre, and Thursday, the 5th of December, in Brunswick East. So affairs spread around different areas. Um, you can go onto the BZE website to get more information about that, or you can contact Imogen Butler from BZE, and uh, she can help you with those details. But if you just go onto the BZE website, bze.org.au, you'll, you'll find all the details there and and um, also for that other event on December the 4th, Livable Homes in a Changing Climate. Look, that's really great, John. We really appreciate the work that you're putting into these events, and um, I'm sure people will get a lot of value out of them.
5: Yeah, and just to add a bit at the end there, for, for the workshops, um, we're actually going to have some exercises where people can do to actually, you know, try things with their own house and and there'll be some great discussion at the end where you can learn off other people. So. You should be prepared to come along and really, uh, you know, go away with things you can do almost immediately. I remember one of our courses, uh, a poor course guy afterwards me you say, I've known how to do three things right now.
2: Yeah, great. Is it worthwhile, you know, if people do have a either a, a proper plan or at least a mud map of their home, is that something worthwhile to, to bring along, to kind of think through, you know, how they can go about doing that?
5: They can do that. Uh, I guess the thing is, um, this is general guidance information. Yeah. It's not professional advice. So it's sort of, um, uh, we'll be discussing what generally you can do. We can't actually give, um, you know, go away and do this and you'll reduce your, your house cost by, you know, your energy cost by 10%. We, it doesn't quite work like that. All we can give is general advice and uh, give them a, a bit of an idea as which, which things will work best, yeah. that's all.
6: Yeah, excellent.
2: And look, if people can't um, get along to those workshops, um, if you want to go onto the BZD website, the energy freedom um, research and work that um, that is, is, is kind of feeding out in these same things is on that website. So, you know, if you're listening from um, outside of Melbourne and this is something you really want to tune into, there's a lot of information. And as John mentioned, this work is specifically about residential and it came out of the, the buildings report work, but it is very user-friendly um, and it is directed at um, the homeowner level. It's not necessarily to you know, be directed at building professionals. It's to be help people in their own homes, and it's a very user-friendly resource.
5: Yeah, you'll find that uh, the uh, Building Plan for Australia is free to download from the Young General Commission's website. Um, it's just a PDF that's Creative Commons, and yeah. from that we created a book which uh, a publisher, uh, you know, you've got to buy that book. But it's that's on the residential side. But anyway, if you can buy the other, if you can just download the other PDF, it's available for free there
2: Yeah, there's a lot of resources there. Look, we really appreciate exactly. your time today, John. Thank you very much. And um, I hope you get a great turnout at the workshops. So I hope you enjoyed the show today. Um, As always, if you've got any feedback for me, Twitter is probably the easiest place to do that, at EJ4573. And um, I'll call it a day for now. Uh, Thanks for tuning in throughout the year. We're starting to come towards the close of the year, but as always, it's a pleasure to bring you information about how we can transition to a renewable future. And uh, for those that wanted to follow up in more detail from the show, the podcast will be available in um, the next day or so. Thanks very much. Nice to have your company and see you next time.
3: You're listening to 3CR Community Radio.
4: 855 AM.